I want to speak to you today about uh, thankfulness, about gratitude. I know uh, we've already celebrated Thanksgiving this last week, but uh, but I want us to continue to be thankful, and certainly we should be. And the Bible makes it clear that ingratitude is kind of a root sin. It's kind of a, in fact, in Romans chapter 1, verse uh, 21 Paul has been describing all the steps downward in the fall and, and the depravity of mankind. Listen to what he says in Romans 1.21. says, For although they knew God, that is, they had a, a knowledge and information that there was a God. Sometimes people say, well, uh, you know, there are some people who just don't even believe there is a God. I, I don't know if that's true. I think that everybody... Uh, starts out with some awareness that there's a God. And they may not know uh, who it is, uh, but but they, they knew God. And I think people become atheists, and uh, they, they choose to be atheists for a variety of reasons. But it says, for although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. To him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. How did that happen? How did man get to the position where they were so depraved? He says they were not thankful. Gratitude, true thankfulness, is an antidote to doubt and cynicism. So uh, uh, the Bible actually tells us that we enter. His courts with thanksgiving. And so we need to be thankful. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, again, Paul writing to Timothy, he's given a list of the horrible, horrible sins that would grip people in the last days. And he says that in the last days, perilous times will come. Then he says, for people will be lovers of self... Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy. And it's something that one of the marks of the last days is that people will be ungrateful. And, uh, and then the Bible commands us to be thankful. Look in... Uh, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Again, Paul writing to the church in Colossae. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That's what we're supposed to be doing as believers. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs but how are we to do all that? What is our worship supposed to feel like and look like with thankfulness in your heart to God? And then the next verse, for whatever you do in word or deed, look, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I tell you, Christian people, should be characterized by an attitude of gratitude. 
That ought to be what drives us in our worship. Lord, we are so thankful. That's why we enter his presence with thanksgiving for what he has done for us. And then one other in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, he says, giving thanks always and for everything. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to tell you, and you already know this, but I, and you've been reminded of it this week, we have so much to thank God for. And thanksgiving and gratitude is to actually say, God, thank you. Thank you so much. This past Thursday, as we gathered together with our family, we went around and we, each one of us said some things we were thankful for, things we were thankful for. And uh, the list would just go endlessly. When I was a little boy, my mother would tell me at night when I'd go to bed, she'd say, son, count your blessings. Don't count sheep. Count your blessings. Just tell God, God, thank you so much for this, for this, for this, for this. And... Uh, When I stopped doing that, when I got to be about 13 or 14, I stopped recognizing how much I had to be thankful for. And my life immediately took a spiral downward. And I tell you, ingratitude is a root of many, many of the sins that we have. So we need to be thankful. Thank God. Just tell him. And then we need to thank other people. We need to say to other people, thank you so much. Boys and girls, you ought to thank your parents and your grandparents for the blessings that they are to you. And somebody said that this is one of the most ungrateful generations that we've ever seen in America. So many kids today have so much. My goodness gracious. They have so much. They have their own room. I never had a room of my own. When I was growing up, I always was in the room with my brother and uh, later two brothers. And then when I went off to college, I had a roommate. And then, of course, when I got married, I'm not complaining about about sharing a house with, uh, with my wife. But, but I, I see kids that have their own room with a television and a computer and a, a Wii and a, a, a Xbox and all this kind of stuff in their, in their own room. And yet, so many of them are so ungrateful. And when they're asked to just do a little chore around the house, they act like, oh, man, you know. And you think they would just be saying to their parents, what can I do? How can I show you how grateful I am for all the blessings that you have given to us? Wouldn't that just be wonderful? And then, of course, if we're not careful, though, while we're thinking about how ungrateful our children might be, God may be saying, look in the mirror how I have blessed you and are you running to him saying, God, thank you. How can I show my gratitude? So we need to 
Say it. Thank God. Thank your parents. Thank other people. And then, of course, on the, the foundation of this, we need to have a heart of thankfulness and an attitude of gratefulness. Somebody said if we're not humbly grateful, we might find ourselves grumbly hateful. And a lot of people are grumbly hateful instead of humbly grateful. And God wants us to, to, to be grateful for all of God's goodness, his generosity, his grace, and to others for what they've done for us. So what robs us? What, what are the enemies of gratitude? And one of them is uh, expectations. In our own family, with our own husband, our own wife, our own family, and with others, when we have expectations that we kind of demand that others meet, that wars against gratitude. Let me tell you why. Because if I expect my wife to do something for me, and she does it, if I'm expecting it, I can't really be truly grateful because I was expecting it. I mean, I never get a thank you note from the electric company for paying my bill. Wouldn't that be something? I opened my letter from the, from the electric company and said, thank you so much for paying your bill this last month. No, I don't. Why? Because they expect me to pay my bill. As a matter of fact, if I don't pay my bill, I'll get another letter from them. And I might even get a letter saying, the reason your electricity was turned off was you didn't pay your bill. But when we expect something, those expectations many times become demands. And then if they are demands and they don't get met, then they become disappointments and frustrations and anger. And I find that in many, many marriages, the reason that the marriage doesn't have an attitude of gratefulness is that the expectations are in place and expectations war against gratitude. That's why the Bible says that my expectations are only in God. We just we, we transfer all our expectations to him. And then whatever we get, we're grateful for. If, if, if I get something I'm not expecting, then I can say, wow, thank you. That's great, you know. Uh, and then, of course, another thing that wars against gratitude is just discontent. Wanting more. Losing sight of what we do have. Um, I went to see Joyce there in the rehab center the day before Thanksgiving. We were talking about Thanksgiving. And she was asking me what I was thankful for, and I told her. And she, she said, you know what I would be so thankful for? And I said, what? I thought she was going to say if I could get out of the hospital here and 
She said, if I could pick up a potato chip and put it in my mouth, she said, I would be so thankful. Well, it just crushed my heart. And I thought, uh, I've never thanked God for being able to pick up a potato chip and put it in my mouth. I went home. We had some potato chips. And I picked up one of those potato chips, and I ate it. And I said, God, thank you. Thank you so much that I have the use of my hand, and I can pick up a potato chip and put it in my mouth. And I'll tell you, this episode with Joyce has, uh, has reworked my perspective on a lot of things. By the way, she's, they have extended her stay in the rehab center for one week. She was supposed to come home tomorrow, and uh, things aren't ready for her to come home yet. Brother Richard and Andrea have been working diligently to try to, try to get things ready. They've got to redo a lot in the house, in the bathrooms and in the doorways and things like that to, to make it wheelchair accessible. So we're so thankful that they extended her stay in the rehab center for for one more week. But on the 4th of December, isn't it the 4th, I believe, she'll be, she'll be coming home. So we need to continue to pray for her. Pray for her, for them to be able to get everything ready for her to come home in a week. And then to pray that God is con- going to continue to uh, help her and heal her. So discontent. When I when I look at what I don't have, rather than what I do have, my heart grows ungrateful. Every one of us, every one of us, have some things that we that we wish were different in our life. Some abilities that we wish we had or, or whatever, some situations. And we all have some things that we just probably take for granted. And whichever one of those I focus on will determine my attitude in life. If I focus on what I don't have, I'll be ungrateful and become cynical and maybe even bitter. But if I focus on the blessings that I have, I'll be grateful. And then a third thing, of course, that wars against gratitude is is envy and covetousness. Looking at what other people have that I don't have and wishing I had it. And I tell you, we live in a society where everything, I mean, every time you open your uh, the Internet or every time you uh, l- look at almost anything, there's something saying, you really need this. This is new and improved. And uh, your, your iPhone, well, it's six months old, and they've come out with the iPhone 24 or whatever, you know, and you think, I've just got to have that, you know. What is, what is it up to now? 10, 12? And, and people will pay 
a lot of money to get something that has this this new. And we can just become so discontent, so envious, so covetous. And the Bible lists covetousness as idolatry. And then, of course, one thing that wars against gratitude is blessings, prosperity. The more we have. You know, the children of Israel, when they were in Egypt, and suffering under the lash of the taskmasters, they prayed and sought the Lord and asked for deliverance. But then when they were delivered and they were brought into the land, they forgot about God because now their blessings actually became a curse. And uh, so if we're not careful... Our blessings will rob us of gratefulness. And then, of course, pride and selfishness is the fifth thing. Just uh, thinking that I deserve more than I have. Thinking I deserve to be treated special. Well, I, I can't believe they talk about it. Don't they know who I am? Well, in the first place, they... Don't care who you are. <laughs> and the second place, neither should you. I tell you who we are. We're servants of the Lord and servants of other people. We do not live for the praises of men. We live for the glory of God. So what enhances gratitude. This is kind of the flip side of these. Number one is an awareness of my unworthiness. An awareness of what I really do deserve. What do we deserve? Well, it's not that we don't deserve anything. What we deserve is the wrath of God. We do deserve that. We're sinners. We deserve the penalty and the punishment of sin. But thanks to the grace of God, we are given what we don't deserve. And His grace should make us aware of our unworthiness and what we really deserve. And then an awareness of what others have done for me. Did you know that everything you have, you have because God or some person Gave it to you. You say, well, now, wait a minute. I've made my own way. I, I, no, well, wait a minute. The Bible says it is God who has given you the ability to get whatever you have. You think, well, no, I, I can do it. You let one little air bubble pass through your bloodstream and lodge in your brain, and you're done. And it is by the grace of God that you're alive right now. It's by the grace of God that you drew that last breath that you just took. It is by the grace of God that you have what you have. And not just what God has done, but how he's done it through other people. I could not begin to tell you how other people 
have ministered to me and my wife and our family over the years. And you have ministered to us. So what we have, we have by the goodness and grace of God and so many times God working through other people. You know, I don't take it lightly when I come here on Sunday and I get a hug from many of you. Because it's not just a, it's not just a greeting for me. It's an expression of thank you. You mean so much to us. A third thing that enhances gratitude is giving. Giving. Jesus taught that there are three disciplines in the Christian life. And uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, When you give, give secretly. When you fast, fast secretly. When you pray, pray secretly. Otherwise, you may be doing it to be seen of men. And if you, if you fast so that people will know you're fasting, he says, you, it loses its benefit. If you pray so that people will hear you praying and brag on your praying, you, you, you're not really praying. You're showing off. And if you give to be seen of men, then your giving is not true giving. But he said, uh, do these things quietly and privately and secretly and don't let others know. And it's interesting, there are three great enemies that we have. The Bible says the, the flesh, the, there's the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the three marks of the world. Did you know that Pride is overcome by secret prayer. You know, nobody struts in their prayer closet. You get alone with God and become aware of who He is and how great He is, and you'll find yourself like Isaiah saying, Woe is me. I see the Lord high and lifted up. And the more we see Him high and lifted up, our pride diminishes. And uh, fasting overcomes the lust of the flesh. Be another whole sermon on that. Well, what overcomes the lust of the eye, greed? Jesus said it's giving, giving. Not just giving our tithes, not just giving to the church, but being a generous person, living a life of generosity, looking for ways to meet needs in other people's lives. And it may be giving of time, giving of attention, but it may be giving of money. And if you look for ways to give, you'll find that giving actually increases gratefulness in your own life. 
And then the fourth thing is to focus on the cross. That's pretty much the antidote for me for almost everything. Just to look at the cross. To thank God for the cross. And as I look at the cross, I become grateful. And then finally, knowing the end result, the goal, the purpose. Did you know that God is working in your life and my life to conform us to the image of the character of Jesus? Everything. And we know that all things work together for our good, for those who are called according to God's purpose. And what is that purpose? That we be conformed to the image of Christ. And when I think about where God is taking me, I can be thankful for every part of the process. When I was in college and we were runners in cross country, our coach would take us out and make us run 14, 15 miles. And in the heat, we'd lose... Nine or ten pounds sometimes in one practice. It's amazing, isn't it? We gained it right back, of course, as soon as we could get some water. But he'd make us run and run and run, and we just think we were dying. And the coach says, look, boys, when we go to Johnson City and run in the state meet and we bring home the trophy, first place in the state, you'll all thank me for making you practice so hard. And we did. And when we drove home from Johnson City with that big trophy in our van, we were all saying, thank you, Coach Rose. We would never have brought this trophy home if you hadn't have pushed us and made us think we were going to die. Thank you. And when I feel like I'm going through something tough, which I do, God says, look, when I'm done with you, you're going to thank me. And you're going to say thank you for letting me go through that. I wouldn't have chosen it, but you had a purpose in it. And I thank you. Let me just close by saying that I thank you. My wife and I really, really love this church. And I don't mean the building. You know, the building couldn't. This is not the church. This is the church building. It's where we meet. You're the church. We're the church. And we love you. And I was just looking at these verses in Romans 1, 8. Paul said, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. And then in Ephesians 1, 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers.
And then one last verse is Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as it is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Isn't that a great verse? You know why I, why I ought to always give thanks to God for you? Because I see God working in your life, building your faith, deepening your love for one another and for him. And when I pray, I say, God, I have so much to be thankful for. But one of those many things is the precious, precious people at Bear Creek. And uh, so we need to thank God for one another and for the privilege, the joy of serving the Lord together. Now, how do we become thankful? You know, maybe, maybe you say, well, Pastor, I, I know all that stuff, but I don't see how it relates to me. Well, let me tell you, you and I are sinners. And that's not good news, is it? It's not good news to know that, man, we've just botched up so much of our life. And then, if you want another piece of bad news, the Bible says that the penalty for sin is destruction and death, ultimately hell. That's what we deserve. That's, that's bad news. And it's not just a few folks. The Bible says all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory that God desires and intends for us. But here is the good news. And that while we were still sinners... God loved us, and Christ died for us. Now, folks, that's good news. That is the gospel, is that he didn't die for any good people. Jesus didn't come to this earth to rescue good people because there weren't any. The Bible says there is none good. No, not one. He's just clarified it. There's just not any. So Jesus didn't come for good people. He came for sinners who deserve judgment, wrath, and death. And he came and lived a life of perfect obedience, the life you and I wish we could have lived, knew we should have lived, but we didn't. And then he went to the cross and died the death that every sinner has earned and deserves. And he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever... No matter how much you've messed it up, 
no matter how much regret you have, no matter how much shame you have, no matter how much sin you've committed, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So that's the good news, that it's open to you, whoever you are. You say, well, I. How, how do I receive that? The same way you receive anything. If I pulled a $20 bill out of my pocket right now and said, here, who would like to have this? I want to give it to you. And if I said, Kevin, here, here's $20. And he looked at it and said, is it real? I said, yeah, it's real. So well, what do I have to do to get it? What would you have to do to get it? Just take it. That's right. Just receive it. That's. Could God make it any simpler than that? You say, well, don't, don't I have to do this and do that? Don't I have to clean my life up? And I, No. He'll clean your life up. You receive him. As many as received him. He gave them the right to be called children of God. Would you want to receive him today? If you're already a Christian, that's wonderful. Thank him, thank him, thank him. But if you've not received him, the good news is that you can today. Today, while it is called today, This is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for the marvelous gift. Thanks be to God for the unspeakable gift of salvation. Forgiveness. A new start and a new heart. Lord, thank you. I also thank you for our material blessings. Lord, you have blessed us, all of us here. We have houses to live in. We have clothes to wear, food to eat. We thank you for those things. And I thank you for our fellowship with one another. Lord, I, I am bound. I ought to thank you for my brothers and sisters here at this church. And I do, I do thank you. And I ask you, Father, if there's one person here today who needs and wants to receive the salvation, the forgiveness, and the fellowship of the Lord Jesus, that when we sing this song about a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Lord, if even one person needs to come today and say, I want to be cleansed in that fountain, I pray that you'll give them the grace to do so in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook 
or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.